on 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton, and it is an absolute joy to have a chat to the author of the new book, Are You Getting This? He's also the uh, teaching pastor at Hillsong. He joins us now by the wonders of Zoom, Robert Ferguson. G'day, Robert. G'day. It's, it's great to talk to you, Clayton. Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, look, it, it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, I, I mean, I had the privilege of having a chat to you just before we came on air. And, and I've been reading this book and it has uh, done some incredible things within me. Uh, certainly God's been speaking to me through it. So I, I love that. We're going to get back to that in a couple of minutes time, but we want to hear your stories. We love story here on this uh, program. We believe it's what it's all about and the impact it can have. Uh, Take us through uh, at where you grew up, um, what you were hoping to be as you're sort of, you know, in those early teen years as well. Okay, well, as you can tell by my accent, I'm not originally from Australia. I'm from England, although I've been here for 30 years now, so I see myself as Australian. But I was brought up in the south of England on a farm. And obviously, my father was a farmer. I assumed that I'd be involved in something on those lines. And then I got an interest in biology and trained as a biology teacher and thought that that was my destiny. I was quite an introvert. I didn't really like hanging out with people. I preferred hanging out with animals. And I thought this was going to be a great way to avoid people and enjoy my life. But uh, as often is the case, God had other ideas. Yeah. And uh, my whole life turned around when I was training to be a biology teacher. Yeah. Was faith, uh, before we sort of hear that part of the story, was was a faith walk and an understanding of, of you know, Jesus and Christianity a, a part of your life as you, you grew up? Or was that something that came later for you? I, w- I would say that I was a church goer, but I didn't really believe that it had much to do with me. If you'd asked me as a teenager, do you believe in God? I'd say, yeah, I think so. But... I thought of him as distant, as irrelevant. So I went to church because my parents went to church. It was a small Anglican church in the village where I was brought up, just a tiny village, maybe of 200, 250 people. So very, very small church, very irrelevant to a teenager. And as maybe 14, 15, I thought, well, this is a waste of time. So I abandoned all of that and went to university as a as an agnostic is the best way to describe me. I just, I didn't know what to believe, but didn't seem to be working for me. So I, that's, that's pretty much my faith background. Yeah. Uh, so you said that, you know, something changed all of a sudden. Tell us that story. Well, I was at university. Uh, most nights would go out and get drunk with a few friends. And then one night, one of my friends suddenly turned up and said, I've met Jesus. And I thought, well, what do you mean you've met Jesus? How does yeah. how does that work? And I watched him over the next two months and he radically changed. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is very strange. And so he invited me, strangely enough, to a meeting where uh, I was going to hear about Jesus for the first time. And I, it was so, so different to everything that I'd been brought up with. It was relevant. It was real. It was revolutionary and i thought wow this is this is totally not what i was expecting just a couple of months before i've been screaming out in life there's got to be more to life than this and i found out that there was more to life than this so i became a christian 
I can tell you exactly when, two o'clock in the morning on the 14th of March, 1974. And I honestly, I had no idea how much it would change me, but it changed the course of my life. Yeah. Um, someone might be listening and we understand that here on the radio station, there's people who have a, a strong faith background and a, a trust in Jesus themselves and those who perhaps go, what do you mean change? Isn't that all a bad thing? Why would you want it to change your life? How did the change occur? And I'm guessing you're saying it was for the better. <laughs> well, I was, a, I was a sort of seven stone weakling at school. And so I used to get bullied a lot. And this may sound strange, but I bought a, a dictionary of swear words what? so that I could, <laughs> I could use my language to uh, rip people apart. And it became such a habit that I couldn't stop. And my mother would complain. This was just as a, as a teenager. My mother would complain that I had filthy language. Well, on the night that my friend took me to uh, this meeting, the next day I was playing uh, foosball, just table football with a friend, and he swore at me. Now, normally I would just swear back and just respond instantly. And for the first time in my life, I was unable to swear. It wasn't something I chose to do. It was like an internal transformation. And I felt physically sick. And I fell back from the table thinking, what has happened to me? All I'd done was pray one prayer and something had changed on the inside. And that was the beginning of something. And I asked my daughter recently, she's uh, in her 40s now. And I said, have you ever heard me swear in all your life? And she said, no, I've never heard you once swear. And yet that was my life. So that was a tiny, tiny beginning of an internal change that not only changed my perspective on life, but gave me a purpose that I could never have dreamed about. Yeah. So that change continued and there was more changes. And today our, our whole idea is we're going to talk about story and what it means to be a storyteller and how each of us tell a story in different ways. There was something that obviously changed for you. Here you are. You're now a teaching pastor. You've been doing that for decades now. Take us through from that point where you're, you know, the foos table to where you went, okay, now my job in life is to actually be a, a preacher and a, a teacher. How did that happen? Yeah, look, it's a really difficult thing to explain, especially to those people who've just got no concept of a personal God. But I can only tell you what happened to me. I was teaching biology in a school. I was drawing a picture of a leaf on a blackboard and God suddenly arrested me. Now, I know that sounds really weird, but it's as if you were having uh, an internal conversation, which is as real as our conversation today. It was like this voice inside, not a weird thing, just this inner knowledge that was more certain even than life itself. And it said, what are you doing? And I knew it was God arresting me. And I, I literally, virtually out loud in front of the 12 year olds said, uh, I'm telling them about a leaf. And, and this voice said, you should be telling them about me. Now, I know that sounds strange, but from that moment, I knew that was my life purpose. I could never be a biology teacher, even though it's still my passion. I had to do what this inner voice said. Now, I know that sounds weird, but the 
the fact is, it's the truth. And that has been my purpose for the last 45 years. I did 15 years doing that, learning the ropes, as it were, in England, and then came to Australia 30 years ago. And I've been doing that ever since. And it's taken me to over 70 different countries, traveling around. Just I've got a passion for telling stories, training people, training leaders, teaching people the how to live is my mantra, really. Teaching people how to live in order to please God. That's my sort of mission statement. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk story specifically, and, and you've got a fantastic way to break down what story is. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes' time. But before we get to that, could you just talk to us about why you believe story is so powerful? I think probably intrinsically we all go, oh, yeah, when someone tells me a story rather than just facts, I, I, I tend to feel I'm, I get moved more. But why do you think story is so powerful? Well, I think in the book I talk about one thing um, that uh, Chip and Dan Heath talk about in their book, uh, Making It Stick. And they talked about the fact that when you go on a flight simulator, and I don't know if you've been on one, but I've been on one, you go on a flight simulator and it feels as though you're flying. And then you begin to go into a spin or a crash and everything in your body reacts to something that isn't real. In other words, your brain is flicking all the switches saying you're just about to crash your plane. Well, they describe stories as flight simulators for the brain. That when we're watching or listening to stories, our brain reacts just like it would if we were really in the event. So I think when we're telling stories, we're actually connecting with people, their emotions, their mind, their choices, in a way that perhaps other mediums or other forms of communication don't connect. So storytelling, for me, I think is a very, very real human thing. And it's been what we've been doing for thousands of years. And here's, here's the weird thing that... Uh, Jesus, when he came to earth, if he is the person that he said he is, namely the Son of God, isn't it strange that here he is using the most simple form of communication known to humanity? You would think he would come up with some other plan, but no, he came to earth and he told stories. There's got to be something in that. Yeah, I think so as well. We're going to be back in just a couple of moments' time with Robert Ferguson. He's the author of this new book, Are You Getting This? As he specifically has written it to help those who may teach or preach like himself, but also for those who tell stories. And we want to focus in on that because I think all of us have an element of telling stories and the need to do that. He's got a fantastic way of breaking down what story is. We're going to hear that next on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9, The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and wonderful to be having a chat to the author of this book, Are You Getting This? Robert Ferguson joins us. He's also the teaching pastor at Hillsong and has been for decades now as well. Talking about story today, Robert, it's a, a passion of mine and clearly it's a, a passion of yours as well. People use stories, we all do, in different places and spaces. Obviously, for yourself as a, a teacher and a preacher, you, you clearly use stories. Um, we know that's something that teachers and preachers do. You've got a bit of a, a theory of how you break down what story is that sort of relates to all of us in life. I love this. Could you, you tell us what that is? 
Yeah, well, I've always told stories right from the outset. I've loved stories. I've loved listening to stories and watching movies. And it's not until the last 15, 20 years that I've really started to research why it is that stories work. And one of the stories that I love, and there are all sorts of stories, but one of the stories that I love is quest stories, people who go on a journey. For instance, um, many of us or most of us love The Lion King or other, other stories like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or, or the Star Wars uh, films. And they're often quest stories. Uh, a hero or heroine goes on a journey. And if you unpack that, that idea, that idea of uh, a quest has been uh, repeated over thousands of years in all the great stories right back to 3,000 years ago when Homer read, uh, wrote the Odyssey. And you can, you can basically divide it into these stories, these movies, into five sections. Home, call, discovery, goal, return. So the hero or heroine starts at home, a call comes, a knock on the door, a mentor arrives, some strange person like Rafiki or Gandalf or Obi-Wan Kenobi knocks on the door, calls you to adventure, and you then go through a, a discovery stage where you learn all the lessons that need to be learned in order to fulfill a goal that the mentor gave you whether it be the killing of a dragon or the destruction of a ring or the becoming of a king, whatever it is, there's a goal for each one of us. And then the hero or heroine returns home and reestablishes uh, normality, but with a new perspective. So this, this simple idea of home call, discovery, goal, return is a really good format for telling a story. And if you look through movies or books or even music or nature, you find this home discovery return theme repeated over and again. So all I do is use something of that framework to tell stories, not only uh, just to my grandchildren, but also when I'm preaching. Yeah. As I read it, and, and took that in, I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's so beautiful in simplicity. Um, and it has so much depth as a part of it. My sense was, Robert, that in a sense, all of us are actually living that ourselves, that there is actually part of our world and our life, whether it be seasons in our life, or perhaps our life as a whole, that it really related to me that actually all of us are living this sort of home call, discovery and coming back in some way, shape or form. Look, absolutely. And as a biologist, I see it throughout nature. Uh, I've had the privilege of going to the Antarctic. And one of the things that I did was to go to South Georgia, where they have these extraordinary birds, the wandering albatross. And just to see these huge birds is just a privilege in life. But they start on this island, they grow up on the island, and when they're free to fly, they disappear for a couple of years flying across the oceans and then return again and you find this home call return or home discovery return that repeated throughout the whole of nature and even if you listen to musicians they'll talk about classical music and say the author when or the composer 
writes a theme and then goes on a journey with that theme and then comes back to the theme. So even a classical piece, uh, a symphony or an orchestra will take you on a journey from home, discovery, return. And when you when you actually sort of study the storytelling process, you just see it everywhere and you think, well, why didn't I think of this before when I've been struggling to tell stories? Absolutely. I, I think there's also about you know, something valid for all of us in, in our lives. So, you know, as someone's listening, they're going, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I am speaking at something. We all have to do some sort of form of speaking at some stage or another, even if we, we don't enjoy it all that much. Um, or maybe I'm trying to present to a team or even in my house, I'm trying to, you know, raise the kids in the best way and, and take them on. I think the use of story could be valid for everybody in those places. How do we start crafting and understanding it best? We've got the theory of it there. How do I start putting that into a practice? Is there any hints or tips? Well, in the book, I talk about the fact that uh, I used to tell stories at, 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 at dinner time around the table. And I still do. I've got grandchildren now. And just a few days ago, when we were allowed to get together, um, my grandchildren were in our house sitting around the table, as we do. And they just immediately said, Granddad, tell us a story. Tell us a story about your schooling. That was the specific subject. Tell us another story about your school. And what they're really saying is, not only do I want to get to know you as a person, but I want you to capture something of the essence of life and put it in a story. And what I've discovered is that it's not actually rocket science. You just be authentic, you be real, and you tell real stories about your own life, things that have happened, but you just incorporate an idea a truth, an observation. And then 20, 30, literally 40 years later, people come back to me and say, I remember the story you told when you came to my house, when you spoke in that setting or when you were in that scenario. And stories have that longevity to them. So I would just encourage people who are listening to this, don't, don't, worry too much just be real just be authentic just start with your own story because there's an old adage that says a man with an argument or a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument you can always always relate your story and it's the best way to communicate life isn't that so true um, before we do let you go, Robert, we understand that not everybody who's listening is going to be speaking or, or preaching or teaching in various places. Uh, I get the privilege of doing that and absolutely love that opportunity as churches invite me to do that. And a big part of the book is is talking to those people. So it would, wouldn't be fair to at least leave a, a, ask a question, at least one around that. Um, clearly, the advice is in the book. So, you know, you can't go through the whole book. That's why you wrote it there for everyone. But <laughs> is there an encouragement you'd like to give to somebody who perhaps does preach and teach and, and is speaking uh, to those in church or church-like settings? Well, obviously, I uh, would encourage them to buy the book. But uh, in Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says that Jesus didn't teach anything without telling a parable. Now, a parable is a particular type of story. He both conceals the truth and reveals the truth in the same package. So I think if we're going to be Christians and if we're going to be Christian communicators, we've got to learn to speak and teach like Jesus. And so one of the best things to do is to study the parables and to see how he did it. But what I do is just follow that format, the five 
part format of a quest story. And instead of saying home, call, discovery, goal, return, I change it to story, tell a story, create tension, write the call, make some observations, bring a revelation, and then challenge the audience, the you, what are you going to do about it? And as you can tell, it spells S-T-O-R-Y. So all my messages, I tell a story, often starting with a date, and then I create tension, I make some observations, I bring them to a revelation, the big idea, the hero in or heroine in the, in the sermon, and then I say, so what are you going to do? And what I've discovered is that people find it a very simple format to follow. And so in the book, I unpack that and show you how it can be done. Absolutely love it. Uh, the book is Are You Getting This? And, and we haven't even talked about the title, but I think uh, that's one of those moments of, of true understanding that this is something that is desiring to be discovered and unpacked and, and worked through. And I, I love what that is as well. Robert, we thank you so much for your time, uh, for writing this and also all the work that you are doing in teaching and, and encouraging so many around this world as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a real honour and privilege to talk to you, Clayton. Thank you. And for all your listeners. Robert Ferguson, my guest here on 89.9 The Light, the author of the book, Are You Getting This?